All right, so Father, we just thank you for tonight. Lord, we're asking that you would come and just speak clearly, that you would set hearts on fire, that you would um, put seeds deep inside of people, that you would put a hunger inside of people. You would give extreme practical tools for everybody in the room to be able to take steps forward in faith, uh, in their faith walk of seeing people get healed in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just turn over the evening to you. We give it to you completely. We say whatever you want to do, come and do it. It's yours. You're completely in control. So come and have your way tonight. And we just pray over every word that's going to be shared. Let it be straight from your heart. Let it go deep into our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hi. Good to see you. Okay, tell us, um, scale of 1 to 10, how comfortable are you with healing, Miss Whitney? Healing. Is it like a new thing? Is it old news? Uh-huh. Okay. Awesome. I'll put a nine on. Perfect. All right. So let me tell you a story. Um, back in 2009, we, up until that point, for about a decade, we had been seeing quite a bit of healing. We um, were at a church in Waco called Antioch great church and I would say to that point we'd seen at least a hundred healings um, but always through the laying on of hands and like all right come Lord Jesus come touch him come do your thing come on please come please please come on Jesus please 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 <laughs> um, and sometimes something would happen and it was always really fun but there wasn't much teaching on there wasn't a whole lot of real understanding and I wouldn't say it was a big priority for us, um, but we got to see it every so often. So 2009, we had moved to Norman to help start Antioch Norman. And that year, the pastors of the church, they said, hey, we want all of the staff to go out to Redding, California for a conference. Anytime this year with Bill Johnson, um, just get out there, be a part of the culture, experience it. And so Rachel found this healing conference in Reading, and so um, it was Bill Johnson and some other guy. His name was Randy Clark, and we had no idea who Randy Clark was. It, does anybody not have a clue who Randy Clark is? Raise your hand. Okay, one, two, three, four. Most people have no idea, so that's the correct response. <laughs> um, <laughs> I definitely had no idea who he was. So Bill Johnson and some other guy, Randy Clark, and we're like, I don't know who that is, but let's go see Bill. This will be really cool. So we get out there, and there was actually a big group of people that wanted to go with us. So we get there, and I think we had anywhere from 12 to 14 people that came from Norman with us. One of them, her name was Madison Mabry, and she was a friend of ours from the youth group in Waco, and she actually had moved to Norman to go to, go to OU. She had lived with us for a while. I mean, she's a very close friend, great girl. So she's there with us. Um, first session... This guy gets up on stage, and he's this little skinny white guy. Uh, he's probably 55 or so. And he begins to teach a whole bunch of really, really boring, terrible material. <laughs> um, so he's teaching about cessationism, which is where the Holy Spirit, people say that the Holy Spirit quit working. And like it doesn't happen anymore. No more of that. That was only for a long ago. And um, that, those days are finished with the church, and now it's time to do this other church thing, void of the Holy Spirit. So just crazy. So he's teaching about cessationism. He's explaining um, kind of the wave of where that theology came in and why it came in. And, and he's shooting bullet holes in it, of course. Like, 
of course he loves healing. But it was really dry material, and it was bad. So I look over, and basically the whole row is asleep. <laughs> and Rachel's right next to me. And so Rachel, I'm like, babe, what are you doing? Get up. And she's like, this is awful. I'm going, I'm going back to the hotel. I'm too tired. I'm not. So she's like, I'm going to the hotel. Anybody else want to go? All, at the whole row. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, we're out of here. Let's just go. So they all left and go back to the hotel. So I'm the only one left from our group. And Randy gets to the end of this first session. It's a room of about 2,000 people. Okay, so a pretty big room. He gets to the end of the first session. And he, and he says, okay, I'm so sorry. I just had to uh, get that out of the way. Just had to lay some baseline foundation because we needed to get that over with. Okay, so now let's do some fun stuff. Uh, we're going to do some words of knowledge. Okay, so words of knowledge are where... Um, the Holy Spirit highlights some sort of pain, something going on in somebody's body, and the Holy Spirit wants to heal it. So he says, okay, um, words of knowledge. And I had seen this like a couple times in little, like maybe one word of knowledge in a service, and that was about it. But Randy has a list. He's like, okay, I got about you know, 20, 30 different words of knowledge that the Lord gave me earlier. And so I'm like, my mind explodes the first time. Like, whoa, how do you have 20 or 30 different words? This is crazy. So he says, okay, uh, so the first word of knowledge is um, somebody, your left elbow, um, there's this pain, and it's pretty sharp pain, and maybe like the tip of your elbow. Anybody having pain in the tip of your elbow? And this person raises their hand. He's like, great, just hold on, just stand up and just wait. Okay, next one. Um, does anybody have a pain in their left leg, and it's your shin, it's about halfway up, maybe six inches up your ankle, and it's about an inch behind your shin bone, and it's actually inside of your bone, and it's kind of a dull pain, and it's just always there. Um, so who is that? And somebody stands up. And so he's beginning to be so specific, I'm starting to, to like, kind of like, oh, I've never seen this. Like, I've seen some words of knowledge, like, somebody's got pain somewhere, stand up, you know, but never like so sharp and specific. So, um, so he continues, just like word after word after word. And my mind is beginning to think, okay, that guy was really boring, but what is going on here? This is cool. So then um, he says, okay, somebody, you have pain in your, your right shoulder, and it is like two inches in, and it's like where the joint, where the ball is, and it's really sharp, but it's only sharp whenever you do this right here. So who, who is that? And nobody stands up. So I'm like, okay, cool. Like, he's wrong. Ha <laughs> ha, right? And so he keeps on asking, okay, who is this? Who is this? And nobody stands up. Nobody stands up. And he's like, are you sure there's nobody in the room? Because this hurts. Like, this is happening right now to me. Who in the room is this? Nobody stands up. So he's like, okay, we'll just go on to the next one. Maybe I missed it. And he reads the next one. And then he stops and he comes back to you. He's like, I am so sorry. Who are you? Oh, this is awful. Please stand up. Boom, person stands up. And he goes, oh. Whew, my goodness, God bless you. That hurts so much. And his pain is gone the moment they stand up. And my brain just... <laughs> okay, I'm like, who the heck is this guy? What the heck is going on? This is crazy. So by the time he's done with this huge list of words of knowledge, um, all of a sudden there's probably 100, 200 people standing up in the room of 2,000 who have been highlighted by words of knowledge. And so he says, um, and I'm, I'm kind of ready to jump in my normal mode. Like, all right, let's go pray for people. I'm going to go find somebody with a, you know, some, some bad pain or whatever and pray for them. And he goes, okay, stop. Nobody move. All right? Nobody move. Nobody pray. 
you know, so now I'm like, what are we doing? <laughs> That's not how you heal people. We got to pray. Okay, so what are you doing? He goes, nobody pray. Sometimes when the Holy Spirit highlights these things, he's actually already healed people. And so when nobody's going to pray, nobody touch them, nobody do anything. If you, if you are standing up, just do something that you could not do a moment ago, something that hurt. And if you're healed, if you feel 50% or better, put your hand up in the air. If you feel 80% better, I want you to wave your hands like this, okay? And so all these people start doing all these things and start wiggling around and everything. And before you know it, within moments, you have like these stunned faces like, what's going on? And their hands are waving in the air and they're like, what's going on? I don't have any pain. I don't have any pain. And they're like completely healed. Not everybody, but dozens and dozens of people have already been healed. And he goes like, all right, that's great. Again, my brain is like, <laughs> okay, nobody prayed. What the heck just happened? How in the world is this possible? Like, I've never seen this in my whole life. This is crazy. So he says, okay, now we're going to pray. And I'm like, okay, time to pray. Like, about to jump up and go chase somebody. And um, he says, nobody move. Okay, Lord Jesus, heal him. All right, check it out again. And so just that super fast kind of flippant prayer. And all of these people start checking it out again. And all of a sudden, all these people are healed. Again, dozens and dozens of people have just been healed from this really fast little prayer. So then he says, okay, if you're not healed yet, stick your hand up in the air. And, you know, it's quite a few are still left. And so he says, okay, if you're close to him, go ahead and put your hand on him. Ask him what's going on. Pray for him. And let's see if they get healed. And then a whole new wave of people. So before this first session is over, I've just watched probably 150 people get healed 80% or better from words of knowledge. And I had never seen anything like it in my whole life. It blew my brain. So I text Rachel, and I'm like, hey, you are a moron. You missed everything. This is the coolest thing of my whole life. Everything is different now. Get your butt up here. And so they come back, and they're like, what do we miss? What do we miss? I'm like, you're idiots. You missed everything. Gosh, like, this is the reason we came. So, um, so the next few sessions were fine, but then Randy gets back up a little bit later. And he finishes teaching his class, and then he says, okay, all right, guys, something really crazy is going on. And the reason we really like Randy is he's brilliant and he's super down to earth. Like he's not crazy or charismatic in the least bit, like at all. Very down to earth. He's just kind of frank. And so um, he says, so Bill Johnson told us this testimony that one of his teams had gone on a mission trip. And when they were there, somebody who had medical metal in their body that couldn't, you know, like, move their wrist. I don't remember what it was. Um, all of a sudden, something happened, and we don't know if it turned to rubber. We don't know if it dis... We don't know, but they can move. And so Randy hears this testimony. And then Bill's like, it's happening all across the world. Like, everywhere we go, people with medical metal in their body are getting healed. So Randy's like, okay, Lord, that's crazy. And I have no idea what that's about, but I'm going to try. So he's in Brazil, and he's telling us his story. He's like, I've been going to Brazil, you know, for all these years, and we see all these healings every time we go. And honestly, I'm really terrified to try for metal because it's super crazy. It makes no sense. I don't get it at all. And so he, he tells this very human story as far as, like, his own fear of just trying to take that step of faith to be like, okay, anybody with metal, you know. <laughs> And, um, and sure enough, in his meetings in Brazil, all of these people are getting healed with medical metal in their bodies. He says, I know it's crazy. 
let me just show you the videos. And he puts on the screen x-ray after x-ray with testimony. My name's so-and-so. I couldn't bend my arm because I have a metal rod in my arm. And here's the x-ray. And all of a sudden, I can move my arm this way, and there's no metal in the arm. <laughs> okay, so just we're watching all these videos, and we're thinking, what in the world? This is the most absurd thing we've ever heard of. What is God doing? And, he, and he's like, oh, what is God doing? I have no idea, but this is happening all over. And so he says, okay, so let's just try it. If you have medical metal in your body, stand up. And all these people stand up. And I'm like, <gasps> what? <laughs> okay. And our friend, Madison Mabry, she stands up. Okay, and I'm like, what? What is she? So I'm, then I remembered in high school, she had surgery for a basketball injury in her shoulder. And all of a sudden after the surgery, this is like a year before, she couldn't lift her arm past this point right here. Okay, and so, and she has six screws that you can actually feel inside of her shoulder. So uh, she stands up, like probably at least 100 people stand up. And Randy says, okay, nobody pray. Just start doing it. Just test it out. See what happens. And all of these people start waving their hands. And people start running up to the stage. And they start grabbing the mic. And they're like, I had, a, I had two screws in my wrist. And I couldn't twist it this way. And I, oh, my gosh. Like they're freaking out. And then the next one, it's like a little bit bigger. Like, I had metal, blah, blah, blah. And all of a sudden, I get. And then the next one, this guy goes, my name's so-and-so. I don't even know what's happening, but I have two metal rods fused from my skull to my tailbone. I cannot bend. I cannot twist. I haven't been able to for seven years. And he's on the stage bending and twisting and moving. <laughs> and so my brain is like, it's just totally gone. And I'm thinking, what the heck is happening? And then he says, okay, now let's pray. Let's just keep praying. God wants to do this. And all of a sudden, I glance over at our friend Mabry, Madison, and all of a sudden, her arm's up here. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> Are you kidding me? What? And she's crying. She's weeping. And she, her arm is like full mobility. And she's saying, I can't feel them. I can't feel them. I can't feel the screws. I can't. Where are the screws? I can't feel the screws. And they're gone out of her shoulder. <laughs> so um, that was 10 years ago. That was our first experience with Randy Clark. And as you can imagine, I was like, okay, whoever the heck that guy is, <laughs> I want to know everything that he knows. I'm going to chase him all over the globe because this is phenomenal. Like this is what Jesus did when he was on the earth. This is fantastic. I want to be a part of it. And so that's how we got hooked up with Randy. Started chasing him around to all these different conferences and um, just learning about healing through that. Started going through some of his schools. Started just... It just put a hunger, like a deep hunger inside of me to see more and more and more. And what I found is um, there was a season of hunger where like nothing really changed, but I was so desperate for more. Like, okay, Lord, I've seen, I've, I saw it. I watched it happen. I know it's real. I know you can do this. I want to see it happen in my own, like my own two eyes. When I'm praying for somebody, I want to see it happen. And um so this hunger was there, and then I began to read these books. So I started to read um, this one book. It's called John G. Lake, The Compiled Stories, The Sermons of John G. Lake. So it was by Robert Lairdon. And John G. Lake was a healer from the early 1900s, and it's just all of his sermons from the early 1900s. And his stories are phenomenal because he would preach the Word of God, teach it, 
beautifully, so well. And then he would share the testimony of this is what Jesus says. And today, here's what happened when we prayed for so-and-so and the dead being raised, cancer physically falling off of people's bodies, like every disease you can think of happening. And it was sermon after sermon after sermon after sermon where he's experienced that. So again, just like hunger and desire. There was a season we were in Norman where I would, I would go behind Walgreens in the morning and I would, because I would try to read at Starbucks. I still go there in the mornings and read, but I would be so overwhelmed by like hunger and by the presence of the Holy Spirit that I couldn't stay at Starbucks anymore. So I had to go jump in my truck and I had to go hide behind Walgreens on Main Street in Norman. And I would just read these stories just like, oh, this is amazing. And then the Holy Spirit would just sweep in the car and just weep and cry and just like, God, please, I want to see this stuff. So that was a life-shaping book for me that just put it deep inside there and just really taught me like there are no limits at all to healing of what the Lord can do. Um, and then this book right here, we're going to talk about a fair bit. This is called The Power to Heal by Randy Clark. This is a fantastic book on activating God's healing power in your life. And we're going to talk about that a fair bit. But this was another great one. He and Bill Johnson have another one called The Essentials, Essential Guide to Healing. Um, but we just started getting hungry. There was another one called Power Evangelism by John Wimber. Anybody ever read that? It's an old book from the 80s. It was very, 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 very good. So God put this hunger inside of me. I found that there's a lot of stories of people who got super hungry and um, nothing would happen for like a long amount of time. But it was like the longer that they were hungry and didn't quit, the more breakthrough and anointing that they would end up having if they just didn't stop. And so um, John Wimber, for instance, this was in the, uh, let's see, in the 80s. He was, he's the guy that started the vineyard movement, if you guys have heard of the vineyard. Um, as I know you have. Um, so he started the vineyard movement. And he was reading the gospels and he would read Jesus plain as day saying, go and heal the sick. And he would think to himself, I'm not healing the sick. Like, what does that mean? So they said, okay, I don't care. My experience doesn't matter. I'm going to begin preaching every single Sunday to my congregation that Jesus heals today. And then we're going to pray for the sick. And he began to passionately proclaim the words of Jesus over and over and over and over and over. And then he would say, if you're sick, come on up. I want to pray for you. And he would pray and nothing would happen. And then the next week, he would pray, and nothing would happen. And the next week, he would pray, and nothing would happen. And the next week, he would double down, and nothing would happen. He prayed for a 1,000 people before anybody was ever healed under his ministry. But when it broke, it unleashed a global uh, wave of healing that began to happen across the whole world, Okay. And a lot of what we get to experience today directly stems to what he did in the 80s with the vineyard movement. Because prior to that, there was like the, the healers in the 50s, you know, Oral Roberts and A.A. A. Allen and um, so, many, so many different healers. But they were like, the man of the hour, show up to this meeting, Catherine Coleman, and you're going to get healed and whatever. And John, uh, John Wimber was just so convinced, like, yes, that's good, but... It's not just the man of the hour. Like Jesus said for everybody to do this. Like this is the proclamation of Jesus for everybody to preach the gospel and to see people get healed. So this is for everybody. We've all got to be going for it. And then his stuff kind of unlocked a lot of things throughout the nation. So um, 
There's another guy named Todd White. Anybody ever heard of Todd White? Okay, so um, Todd's kind of like John Wimber. He started hearing the testimonies of Randy and John Wimber and some of these other guys, and he was just hungry, and he was like, Lord, I have to see people get healed. I want this, please. And he began to boldly get out there and be like, dude, you're sick. I want to pray for you. And nothing would happen. And he's at work. He's a construction worker trying to get out of a really rough lifestyle and just bold as a lion, trying to see people get healed. Nobody's getting healed. Nobody's getting healed. He's getting laughed at. He's getting mocked at. He's known as the crazy guy who prays for everybody, but nothing happens. And um, 700 people he prayed for, not one healing. And then it broke. And then all of a sudden, words of knowledge began to happen left and right, left and right, left and right. He, had, he started getting them so powerfully that he was a roofer at the time. And he, was, he tells this story. He was roofing a church, like a big old church. And, and they were up there for like a week. And people would be, there was a lot of people that would walk along the street in the area. And he'd be up there roofing. And he would get a physical word of knowledge in his body. And he would look around. And he'd be like, who is that for? And the Lord would be like, look at the street. And look at the street, way down the street. And he'd be like, hey, hey, your foot, your foot hurts, right? And he's like way up on top of this roof. And the person's like, uh, yeah, it hurts. He's like, Jesus healed you. Check it out. And they get healed. <laughs> He was just hungry, like just wanted to see more. And the Lord loves that hunger and that obedience that doesn't stop, that just like holds on tight and just won't quit. So if that's you and you're like, Jesus, come on, and nothing's happening, don't quit, okay? It's common for people who jump into healing ministry for that to be the case. Don't quit. Stay hungry. Be obedient. And we're going to talk a lot about this in a second. But the, the, the big principle is you cannot um, allow your experience with the word of God. Sorry, guys. This always happens. This is why I never use it. Um, <laughs> Rachel loves it. I hate it. Um, you cannot allow your experience in healing dictate your theology. Okay? Which is why so many denominations have fallen so far away from what the Bible actually says. Because it's not their experience, and so they don't know how to justify the experience. And so then they're like, well, we can't teach that anymore because it's not happening anymore. So let's just change the gospel to be what we think it is. And you can't do that. Okay, you can't quit. you got to stand on what the word says. Even when it's not doing what it says it would do. Okay. So let's jump into the theology of healing. Um, a, a lot of this stuff is going to come straight from this book, Power to Heal. So again, if you're hungry, this is a fantastic book to look at. Um, we're not going to go super deep. We're not going to tackle any crazy stuff tonight. But we're just going to give a baseline scriptural understanding. Isaiah 53, 4 through 5. This is the prophecy about Jesus. And it says, Surely he took up our pain and he bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his words, we are healed. Okay? So this is proclaimed about Jesus long before he ever came to the earth. And it said, the Messiah, he's going to be the guy whose stripes bring healing and atonement into your life. In Matthew 8, 16 through 17, Jesus confirmed what was said about him in Isaiah 53. 
Verse 16, it says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word, and he healed all the sick. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities, and he bore our diseases. Okay? So Jesus is healing all the sick and casting out the demons in order to fulfill the promise to say the Messiah is going to be this guy. And then Jesus cites Isaiah 61 in Luke 4.18. He says that healing was a key component of his calling. The scripture says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So healing was a key component for Jesus. Um, this is again confirmed about Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2.24. Peter says, um, He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Pointing at what Jesus did. So why was divine healing such a big deal in the life of Jesus? Randy Clark says that it was such a huge component of his ministry because his healing attributes were the proof that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. It was the proof that Jesus had the authority on earth to forgive sins. It was the proof to others that the kingdom of God was at hand. It was the proof that God loved people and had compassion on them. And his healing was proof that God's power and authority over disease was real. Okay? So it had to be a huge part of Jesus' life because it backed up what the scriptures had been saying as far as the spiritual realm, okay? It was the proof. It had to be a big part of it. So in John 14, 12, Jesus said that you would do the same things that he does. So he says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do, because I go to my Father. Okay? So say, I will do greater works. Okay? That's what Jesus proclaimed about you. You, because you're in Jesus, because of the anointing, because you sit on the throne with him now, he proclaims that you will do greater works than he did on the earth because you have the Holy Spirit. Amen? So whenever people point to the works of Jesus, they point to the miracles. They point to the healings. They point to the power of God in his life. So if Jesus is saying, now you're going to do greater works, these are the same works that he's referring to. So why should we heal the sick? This is, again, from power to heal. Because Jesus is our model. We're supposed to copy him and do what he did. Because God loves to use people as a primary way to release his blessing into the earth. Okay? So Isaiah 53 says that divine healing is provided in the atoning work of Christ. How is the healing power appropriated? So if it's provided in Christ, how does it actually get appropriated? Generally, it's released through people like you and me. Okay? Um, that's God's plan for humanity. God uses people to preach the gospel of salvation. Right? God uses people to teach sanctification. God uses people to exercise spiritual gifts. 
He uses people to bring deliverance to people, to bring breakthrough, to break off curses of other people. God's primary method of operation is to use anointed human beings to carry out his redemptive purposes on the earth. Okay? And so then the healing of Christ also comes through the people who walk with God and obey God. All right? God uses people to release the blessings of healing. We see this throughout the Old Testament over and over again. Um, people weren't healed oftentimes until the person that was connected with God did some sort of act of faith, and then God could show up and move. Okay, so prime example is Moses at the uh, Red Sea. Okay, Moses is like, God, why don't you show up? And God's like, I can't until you hold out the staff and tell the water to part. Moses holds out the staff, then God can come and do what God wants to do. But God couldn't until Moses obeyed. So we see that same thing with Moses and Miriam. Miriam's hand um, turns leprous, and she freaks out. And she's not healed until Moses takes an act of faith, and then God heals Miriam. And you see that with Elijah, and with the, the widow whose son was dead. And Elijah has to show up and take an act of faith before God shows up and moves. So this is how healing happens throughout the Bible and all throughout the earth today. Um, we should heal the sick because ministry to the sick demonstrates God's love and it reveals his heart. And we should heal the sick because healing the sick demonstrates God's supernatural power. And healing the sick accomplishes and aids in evangelism. All right? So there's our basics on theology, okay? There's a key component of Jesus' ministry. Jesus said you're going to do better things, greater things than he did, and you were called to a life of seeing people get healed. Amen? So now we're going to look at the five-step prayer model. Who's ever heard the five-step prayer model? A couple people. Yep. I'm going to grab some more tape real quick before I rip this off my face. I am recording it, yeah. All right, so the five-step prayer model. This is a model that Randy learned from a guy named John Wimber, okay? So Randy was a vineyard pastor. He actually, he was a Baptist pastor um, before that, but he just loved the Bible. He loved the Holy Spirit, and he was hungry for more. And so he heard... John Wimber preaching one day, and he heard that healing was happening. He was like, oh, my gosh, we've got to have that in my church. And so he's trying to get John Wimber to come to his Baptist church, little Baptist church, like our size, right? And um, he's trying to get John to come. John couldn't come, so he sends this guy named Blaine Cook, okay? Blaine is still around. He's still traveling the globe, doing amazing stuff. Um, so Blaine comes to the church, and he teaches this five-step prayer model. He's like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. Go walk through these five steps, and then people are going to get healed. And that impartation at that time with Blaine is what launched Randy into his ministry. So it's pretty cool because Blaine still does a ton of stuff with the vineyard, but he also does a ton of stuff with Randy nowadays, and it's really fun. Okay, so this comes from John Wimber and from Randy. Um, the five-step prayer model is number one, interview. This is very simple. 
Number one, interview. So whenever you are going to pray for somebody, depending on the situation, is going to depend how much you get to interview, right? So sometimes you get to interview, really go deep, and find out really what's going on. Sometimes it's a quick, like you got to get it over with pretty fast because you got to move on with whatever you're doing. But interviewing is the first step, and it's extremely important. Proverbs 26.2, it says that a curse causeless can't land, okay? So it says a curse can't land on somebody's life without a reason, okay? So there's a whole lot more to that scripture that we're not going to jump into right now. But when somebody has a physical ailment, oftentimes there's a reason kind of upstream of what's going on. Maybe it's spiritual. Maybe it's emotional. Maybe it's because they did something like got in a car wreck or it was something obvious. But there's a reason. And oftentimes, if we can't see the obvious reason immediately, we want to start looking upstream with our prophetic eyes and try to figure out what's going on. So imagine that you're standing in like the river of God, the healing river of God, and it's flowing all around you and you're in perfect health just like you are in heaven, right? But then all of a sudden, the water begins to sink, and the healing waters go away, and now you're standing on mud. And you're like, oh, no, and then you start getting sick. Well, maybe sometimes it's because a deaver, uh, a deaver, <laughs> a beaver um, decided to build a little dam upstream. And so what's the solution? You walk upstream, and you shoo it off, and you let the river flow again, right? Sometimes a little beaver can be a thought pattern that's in your mind. Anybody heard Caroline Leaf talk about this stuff? She's brilliant at the, the brain. So basically your brain is always trying to come into homeostasis physically with chemistry in your body. Whatever you're thinking, your brain is trying to make your body feel what you're thinking. So if you're constantly thinking bad thoughts, guess what happens? Bad things start happening inside of your body physically. If you're thinking great thoughts, it opens up and it wants to keep you in homeostasis, perfect peace based on your thought patterns, which is why having the mind of Christ is so incredibly important and to capture the lies and throw them out and put in truth. So important physically for healing as well. So back to the five-step primer. When you are interviewing people, we're opening our eyes looking for stuff like that, okay? So, hey, your elbow hurts. I'm so sorry that your elbow hurts. Tell me more about it. What happened whenever it started to hurt? Okay, wow, you got into a fight with your sister. I'm so sorry about that. And sometimes it's that simple. It's no big deal. Like, it was just a physical thing that happened. Or <laughs> like Rachel, when she was younger with her brother, she broke her hand. How'd she break her hand? She punched her brother in the butt. <laughs> There's no spiritual root here. That's just, that's just how it is, okay? Um, but other times, you will find, if you begin to dig around and ask questions, you're going to find that oftentimes... I have this heart problem, and I've had it for five years, and blah, 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 blah. Well, tell me what was going on five years ago, six months before that, a year before. Well, tell me what was going on. Oh, well, uh, we got divorced, and my husband, he took everything from me, and he just ruined my life, and I, had to, I got left with all this debt and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you begin to see the pattern, the thought pattern, the spiritual stuff going on, which then opened the door for the enemy to come physically into that person's life and allow junk of the enemy. So another way to think about it is that 
God wants everybody to have his thoughts, to believe his thoughts. When we stand in his promise, in his word, and we believe the things that he says, then we are protected, right? It's like a hedge of protection all around us with physical covering. Um, but when we open the door and we give a little foothold to the enemy with a lie and we grab that lie and we start believing that lie, all of a sudden there's a place for that to enter in. I'm not saying every physical healing is connected there, but oftentimes you'll find that's true. So that's why the interview is so extremely important to start digging in, kind of find out what's going on and ask with your Holy Spirit eyes, what do you want to do here? Why is this person feeling this way? Okay, second thing is prayer selection. Okay, prayer selection. So in the Bible, when Jesus healed the sick, what kind of prayers did he pray? Sometimes he commanded. In fact, he never healed the sick aside from a command. Jesus never once prayed to heal somebody. He only commanded. Okay? So there's two types of prayer. There's a command and there's a petition. Okay? Both are legal and should be used whenever you're praying for the sick. <clears throat> Jesus maybe had an unfair advantage. He fully understood his deity. He's the one who created everybody. He has authority, right? He didn't need to pray because he had the authority. He knew who he was. And no matter the situation, no matter the sickness, no matter the demonic thing going on, he would just say what needs to happen and it would happen because he had all authority. And he gave that authority to us and to his disciples. And sometimes his disciples in the scriptures would grab a hold of that and say, yes, that is true. I'm going to stand in that authority. And they would go and they would be able to command as well. And the same things would happen. But other times it wasn't the case, right? And they would command, come out in Jesus' name. And nothing would happen. And they would come back to Jesus and be like, what do we do? Oh, my gosh, we couldn't do it. You told him. And Jesus is like, hey, get out of here. And everything's fine. Because they didn't have that deep level of authority. They didn't have that understanding deep inside of who they are. But the good news is that you currently are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You're sitting in him. He has given you his authority to do his work on the earth. And so that means that you have the authority to command sickness and disease and demons to leave. Okay? So... When you're starting to pray for somebody, you ask, Holy Spirit, what type of prayer am I supposed to use? Is this a command? Is this a petition? Now, sometimes the Holy Spirit will say, mm, you need some more prayer and fasting before we command this one. <laughs> Why don't you just ask on this one, right? And you can begin to ask the Lord to come. And sometimes you do both. Sometimes command it to happen and some things happen and then we ask the Holy Spirit to come and back us up and keep it going that way and sometimes we go back and forth and back and forth um, but those are the two types of prayer that you've got to figure out is this a declaration or a petition okay next thing number three prayer ministry all right so you begin to pray for the person very important um, I recommend, Randy recommends, a lot of people recommend, when you're praying for somebody, especially if they're really re religious, um, ask them, please don't pray while I'm praying for you, okay? 
just like if they're gonna pray in tongues or go crazy or just like yes god come on please like hey calm down just pay attention to your body pay attention to what the holy spirit is doing inside of you physically as we pray for you if you begin to feel heat if you begin to feel tingling if you begin to feel peace if you begin to feel something happening please let me know what you're feeling so that i can partner with the holy spirit and continue along that path but if they're just praying, 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 they oftentimes miss what the Lord's doing, it can just be more distracting. So you can say, hey, why don't you just stay calm? You can close your eyes if you want. You can put your hands out if you want. But just receive from the Lord. Don't pray. Just receive from the Lord. And that'll help us pay attention to what the Lord's doing. So then you begin to pray. And again, you just want to simply follow the Holy Spirit. This is the five-step prayer model. But guess what? The Lord doesn't like rules, right? There's no like structured, like, okay, you want to see somebody healed? Do this, 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 that's it. Like, he doesn't work that way. This is a suggested thing that can be helpful to get you moving in the right direction. But if you're not paying attention to the Holy Spirit, forget it, okay? So you've got to pay attention. People like to suggest that you pray with your eyes open so that you can pay attention. If you start praying for the Holy Spirit to come on them and your eyes are closed, you have no idea if the Holy Spirit came on them because your eyes are closed. You don't know what's going on. You don't know how to continue praying into it. So um, start praying for them. If you're praying for a physical thing in their body, um, speak to the pain, okay? Speak to the issue. Declare to the issue, be healed. I'll never forget the first time that I saw this and that I was taught to do this. This is back in probably 2005. And it was a vineyard guy um, who was in Waco. He was teaching at the training school. And he brought somebody up who had sickness, and he put him in a chair. And then he's like, okay, who's, who hasn't seen somebody healed yet? Okay, get up here. Come on over here. And he says, what's wrong with you? Oh, your knee hurts. Okay, all right, put your hand on your knee. And the person's like, <laughs> okay, put, put the hand on the knee. And he's like, okay, now just say, knee, be healed. And the person's like, uh, knee, be healed. <laughs> like super awkward, really strange, like not have a clue what's going on. And he goes, okay, check it out, feel it. And the person's like, okay. Like the whole thing is super awkward. But the person got healed. <laughs> He's like, listen, folks, you are in Christ. You have the authority of Christ. When Jesus speaks, the world is created. And when you speak, you speak with the authority of Christ. And the body can line up with what you're speaking. So speak to the pain. Tell it what to do. And take up your authority in Christ. Okay? So when you're praying for illness, like this happened. Um, how is your rib, by the way? Did it come back? Okay. Okay, awesome. We'll pray for you again tonight. So we're praying for Cosette on Sunday. She has a rib that is like popping out of place. Goodness. Um, and so we're praying for her. So we speak to the rib. Rib, in the name of Jesus, you come in line. Nerves, be set right. Muscles, be set right. Everything, come in line. And in that moment, she felt a lot better. Um, and didn't hurt to breathe, yeah. Um, but we'll keep praying for you, okay? So speak to the pain. And then just pay attention. Also, don't belabor the point, okay? So there's not like a magical amount of time that you have to pray in order to see healing happen. It literally can be, be healed. How are you feeling? Wow, you're healed. Praise the Lord, okay? Pay attention to the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit says keep praying, then keep praying. If he says stop, then by all means stop. Okay, so do the prayer ministry. Then the next thing, 
Also, on the prayer ministry, if you're praying something and it seems like it's working, like um, fire of God, come on this person, come Holy Spirit, bring your fire, and their hands start getting really hot, keep praying what you're praying. <laughs> Don't stop. Don't switch it up. Like if you find something in the Lord that is working, stay on it until it quits working, okay? Um, so prayer ministry. Next thing is the re-interview and prayer. All right. This seems so simple, but this is incredibly important. So you pray for them, then you stop and say, hey, how are you feeling? What's happening? Are you feeling anything in your body? And then you take some time and let them share what they're feeling. If they feel an improvement, oftentimes we like to use um, a scale of 1 to 10 to figure out how bad the pain is. So, so before you start, you can say, hey, scale of 1 to 10 during the interview, how bad is the pain whenever you do this? Get a number, get some sort of quantifiable, this is where I currently am at this moment. So that way when you come back to the re-interview, you can say, hey, before we start praying, you were at a six. Right now, what would you say that your pain is at? And get a number, and that way you can really see, did we go somewhere or not? Are we in the exact same spot that we were before? If you stop praying and they're like, hey, I feel a little bit, but it still hurts quite a bit. I'm probably like a four. Don't be discouraged, okay? Don't be discouraged at all. Just say, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's pray again. Can I pray again for you? God's doing something. The Holy Spirit is moving in your life. Let's pray again. So then you begin to pray again. If there was something that seemed to make a difference when you were praying before, jump back on it. Start praying again. Ask the Lord to come and move again. And you just kind of go through this cycle a little bit until A, they're healed. That's the best one. Okay. B, um, the Holy Spirit says, stop. Okay. Or C, nothing else is happening. <laughs> That's the most sad one. <laughs> like, well, we did everything we could. I'm sorry. Um, but keep praying until one of those three, three things happen, okay? And don't make it weird. If they're not healed, just love on them. Bless them. Don't be weird about it. Say, hey, I'm going to keep praying for you. Or Next time I see you, I want to pray for you again. Let's just keep believing God to come and touch you. Um, okay, so that's the re-interview process. And then number five. <clears throat> is the post-prayer suggestions. Suggestions. Okay, so this one would be, if I'm praying for Rachel's broken hand, I would say, hey, but don't punch your brother in the butt anymore. <laughs> That'd be a great post-prayer suggestion. Um, or if we are praying for somebody and we find that they had back pain and it was somehow connected to bitterness and unforgiveness from whatever happened many months ago and you've walked them through forgiveness for that situation and now their back is suddenly healed, hey, great post-prayer suggestion. Let's just stay clean, you know? Like, let's just make sure we go to God and keep our hearts clean. Forgiveness really does physically affect your body. Don't let it back in. Sound good? And so just give them a little bit of coaching so that they can hang on to their healing because oftentimes people can get healed, but if you don't take care of the root that was causing it, they leave a few days later and then it comes back, right? So um, that's the five-step prayer model. We're not going to dive real deep into like the roots and stuff. I can tell you there's a ministry that I love. It's called Be in Health. And it's out in Georgia. And they talk about the roots to disease. We don't talk about it ever with our church because what we found is oftentimes people would jump into... Um, okay, so here's the, here's the big picture. This pastor 
Um, he was called out in the 80s to go pray for a person who had this disease where basically they became allergic to everything. They became allergic to to cotton. They became allergic to foam. They became allergic to the air conditioner. They became allergic to everything. And they basically, they, I think there was a movie uh, about like living in a, in a bubble back in the 80s. Well, this was that person, okay? And so this guy goes out there and on the plane, he's like, Lord, please show me. Like I'm flying across the country to try to help this person. Please help me. And the Lord shows him a few things in the scriptures that are pointing to the roots. Like Proverbs 26, 2, a, a cursed causeless can't land. So what is the cause? Show me. And they get there. And after several days of interviewing and praying and seeking the Lord, they find a few root issues like fear and insecurity and some of these kind of things. And so they do prayer ministry to fix the spirit and then within a couple days the physical all came in line because the body brought it into homeostasis and she was completely healed and so then this pastor his name is Henry Wright he began to teach uh, on these principles and then they started going after specific diseases like all sorts of diseases when we have a person who has this disease we find oftentimes these things are happening deeper inside so let's look at those and try to heal those up and preach the word of god and help them understand those things and then the body comes in line but they in their success can become extremely dogmatic to be like you have diabetes here's what's wrong with you you need to fix this and this and this and then it like shuts people down completely and prevents the holy spirit from being able to really like bring up roots and so I love their ministry, but we don't talk about it hardly ever because also it's not always the case. Like there's other stuff going on in the world, but oftentimes it can be super helpful to dig into those roots, right? Um, okay, so that's the five-step prayer model. I want to talk now about the agony of defeat, okay? So this is straight from Randy, and I love this about his ministry. So when you begin to pray for the sick, and people start getting healed. Like I remember in Norman, I'm like so hungry, like looking for the sick everywhere I go. This guy's walking across the street. He's got this cane right in front of the church. And I'm like, hey, come here. I want to pray for you. Come, Holy Spirit, heal this, whatever. And like he throws his cane away and he's walking around like, whoa, yeah, man, come on, Lord, do it again. Let's do that. So in the midst of all of that excitement and the thrill of victory, okay, there's also the other side of it, which is the agony of defeat. And so Randy does these two sermons together, and he'll tell the most wild stories of the thrill of victory, like the most insane diseases and sickness and things that you could have ever thought of getting healed in his meetings. And then the very next message is like the most crushing, devastating stories you've ever heard when they didn't get healed. And I've been in those meetings with him, right, where I've been in Brazil, and um, so I got to go to Brazil with Randy a while back. And in the meeting, you'll see a person on this row in a wheelchair, bound for a decade, can't get up and walk. Bam, healed by the power of God, stand up and start walking. And in the same meeting on that side of the aisle, the same situation, not healed. And this one's like a quick, come on, bam, they're up. And this one you can pray for hours and nothing happened. Right? And I've been right there with Randy as he's praying and pouring out his heart and just crying out to God, like, please, God, touch them. Emotionally invested deeply into these people and it not happen. And then he goes on to tell stories where, like, when he was a pastor, he's praying for his own congregation and people die. 
And why does a stranger in Kroger get healed of cancer from a miraculous word of knowledge, but the six-year-old daughter doesn't, and she dies? And it's painful. It's difficult. It's challenging. It doesn't make sense. We do know that if Jesus was here in the flesh, everything would be healed, right? There was never one instance where he was unable to see healing happen. But in our fallen sin nature, there's a long way to go before we get there. So here's what Randy says about it. He says, when you're called into a ministry of healing, you're really called into the ministry of suffering alongside of Jesus. There are bigger things at play happening around you. Most People most certainly don't always get healed. Often they do, often they don't. But just because they don't get healed doesn't mean we get to not pray for the sick anymore or preach that it's real. If you were to quit evangelizing because everybody that you shared the gospel with hadn't accepted the gospel, the world would be a much darker place. Right? One of the biggest challenges in faith healing ministry is to give it your all and believe with your all over and over and over again and to not quit. And remember that the devil would love for you to quit. We talked about this on Sunday. But the devil sees your life as a million lap race. And he doesn't care if you're in first place, the first 10 laps or the first 100 laps. As long as he can knock you out sometime during that race, he wins. So the challenge is to not quit. When you give it your all, you pour out your heart, it doesn't work. Just because it doesn't work doesn't mean you can change your theology and change what the Word of God actually says, okay? Randy says, defeat is the common denominator that keeps people from taking risks to pray for supernatural healing. In healing ministry, we stand at a crossroads. We can go to the right or to the left. Going to the right, pursuing the ministry of healing oftentimes doesn't make any sense because it means continuing to do the same things that we've been doing, even though we have experienced limited results. But going left, on the other hand, means adjusting our theology and most likely backing away from the healing ministry. And sadly, going, the left, going to the left is the most popular route that many choose because it's comfortable, but it is not the way of the cross. Such a message promises false comfort and faithfully delivers on powerlessness. There is no resurrection life without the suffering of the cross. A great example of this would be Catherine Coleman. So she had a phenomenal ministry in the 50s, 60s, 70s. Um, and in her meetings, she would pack out stadiums. People, I think Benny Hinn was, was you know, like became himself because of Catherine Coleman. She would have these amazing meetings and people would literally come in ambulances from states away and there would be lines of ambulances outside of her meetings and people would come into the meetings and people in cots and stretchers, they would rise up and walk again. Every kind of disease that you can imagine would be healed in her meetings. The glory of God was strong and thick in that place. But she was also famous for being found after the meetings behind the stage weeping her eyes out uncontrollably for all the ones who did not get healed in that same meeting. But she didn't quit. She didn't change her theology. She didn't choose to walk away. And thankfully, she continued her life pouring it out, believing God to heal one more time, one more time, one more time, one more time. 
So you can't just quit because you don't see it happen. You've got to keep on keeping on so that you can also experience the thrill of victory. Amen? All right. So what we want to do now... <clears throat> Randy says you're not allowed to quit praying for the sick until you've prayed for at least 200 people. <laughs> so if you feel like you've tried and it didn't work, you're not allowed to quit. 200 people. Then you can give them a call. <laughs> okay, so what we're going to do now is um, let you guys ask any questions. And then I want to pray a prayer over you guys that Randy um, put in his book. I want to pray for you. Uh, and then we want to pray for healing. If anybody's got... I know we've got at least one, <laughs> so we'll believe God to show up and bring some healing. So any questions or takeaways? Yeah. Specifically for healing or more for just being seated with Christ? And in this case, for healing, but both. Yeah. I think um, the more that you're in the Word of God and the more that you not just read it, but you interact with it and allow the Holy Spirit to like talk to you and ask questions and dig deep and process with the Word, that puts it deep inside of you um, in a way that can't be replaced or found anywhere else, right? So I would say, like, find those scriptures um, and then just start asking, like, okay, what the heck does that mean? I'm seated in the heavenly places. What the heck? And for me, I love to journal. I've been journaling for a long, long time. And the reason is, when I first started walking with the Lord, I found that if I was praying, I could go in my prayer closet and I could lay down and really start to try to start pressing in with God and my brain would just like... <laughs> and before I knew it, I had like an hour set out to be with God and I'm thinking about food and now I'm asleep and now I'm like thinking about math or, you know, like, it's crazy. So when I began to journal, I would find something in the Word of God that I was reading and I would find something intriguing and I would write out or physically write out, what the heck is this? Why did you do this? Tell me about this. And it turned off part of my brain, the wandering part of my brain, and like shut it down. And then I'll, as soon as I would finish the question mark, like, Jesus, why didn't you heal everybody you saw? Question mark, dot. And immediately a, a, a word would pop in my head. Be cut. And I would just, if I would just be faithful to act like a fool and just write whatever sound was in my head, all of a sudden there'd be like a whole paragraph of explanation on the paper that was not in my head moments ago. And the first time it happened, I thought, I'm completely nuts. I was, I was in junior high. I was at a Baptist church. You did not really, like, hear the voice of God. It was not a thing back then. And I thought, I'm going to get kicked out of church. Like, I'm not going to be president of the youth group anymore. You know, like, all that stuff. So I was like, don't tell anybody about this. And it freaked me out. I thought I was nuts. But then um, I would read the next day, and I would read in the Bible almost verbatim what was put on the paper from this crazy voice in my head. And I'd be like, oh, whoa, that's crazy. What the heck? 
So then I began to feel more comfortable, like, okay, it's not the devil, clearly, because he's <laughs> quoting scripture that I didn't know existed. Okay, this is the Lord's voice. I need to pay attention. And, um, and so I would really recommend just, like, dive deep into the scriptures, journal. I like to change colors. So if Jesus is talking, it'll be red. If Holy Spirit's talking, I'll write in blue. If God's talking, I'll write in purple. And I'll just try to like learn to hear the different voices and ask different questions. And just as deep as I can go, he loves it. Um, so that I think that's the first place I would dig in. And then the second part of it is kind of like fake it till you make it. <laughs> okay? Because um, if you are stepping out in faith, in obedience to the word of God, even though you're not totally sure that this is real, like I can't tell you how many times in the Bible... Like every victory story I can think of at the moment, the person who was called to do something mighty was not really sure it was going to work out. <laughs> and they were like, okay, God, I'll try. I'm probably going to die. <laughs> Bye, Mom. And then God would back them up and God would show up and he would then teach them, like, this is real. This is true. You can trust these feelings and these thoughts, you know. So um, thank you until you make it. <laughs> Great question. Are we talking about like physical distance location? I'd call him up and pray. I mean, there's so many stories of the Lord doesn't care. Like, across the globe, doesn't matter. Like, he show up and do it. So I'd call him and pray for him just the same. Yeah. Yeah, FaceTime him. There you go. That's awesome. I love that. So I'm going to tell you a really weird story. You can run out the door if you want. <laughs> um, so this is in John G. Lake book. So John had, uh, you ever heard of the healing rooms in Spokane, Washington? So he started those. And he used to run an advertisement in the national newspaper that would say, this is like in 1910, 1920. If you are sick, if you are, um, if you've got disease, Come to the prayer rooms. We're going to pray for you. If you leave with your sickness, we will pay you $500, which in 19, early 1900 was thousands of dollars. And he ran this big ad in the national newspaper. He never once paid out. 
because God always showed up and always healed the people that came. But before the healing rooms, he was a church planter in South Africa. And in five years' time, planted 500 churches in South Africa. So he tells this story in one of his sermons that he was in South Africa. He was preaching, and somebody raised their hand and said, Hey, can we please pray for my cousin or sister or something like that? They're in the U.K., and they're in an insane asylum. And they're just, you know, they've been there for several years, and it's really bad and whatever. So he says, okay, the Holy Spirit wants all of you to pray with me. And so he tells this story in the most beautiful, um, powerful wording. It's incredible. But he says, as I closed my eyes, the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I could see in the Spirit everybody's prayers coming towards, towards the platform, towards the middle, and it came into me, and my spirit left my body. And I saw my spirit leave the church and fly over Africa. And I saw all of these cities and all these places along the way. The next thing I knew, in the spirit, I'm looking over what I knew to be England. And I saw these specific windmills, and I saw this one city hall, and I saw this and that and whatever. And bam, the next thing I know, I'm standing in front of this person's relative inside the insane asylum. And I walk up to him. I say, you're, you're healed in the name of Jesus. You know, very quick, simple prayer. And then, whoosh, just like that, he's back in South Africa. And he's like, what the heck was that? <laughs> like, that was the first time it had ever happened to him. And he's like, that was crazy. I feel like that really just happened. But how in the world are you going to know? A month later, the lady gets a letter, a telegraph, from the, an the ancestor, the relative. I don't know what happened. This man walked into my room and he prayed for me, and in a moment, I was completely healed. The next couple weeks, they released me, and I'm, I'm back to normal. So then later, like 20, 30 years later, he was so impacted by it, he really wanted to see, like, what I saw so vividly as I flew over the land. Was it really there or not? And so he got in the plane, and he flew the path, and he saw everything that he flew over was actually there in real life. <laughs> so, yes, there can be powerful things happen even when you're far away. Great question. Okay, so Oklahoma is renowned for name it, claim it, word of faith type theology. We're not tackling it tonight. Um, we might tackle it next week. But there's a lot of truth to it, but there's also a fair bit of abuse, in my opinion, with it. Um, faith absolutely plays a part, but it's not a formula. And you look through the scriptures, and very consistently, you'll see one person who had tremendous faith, and they were healed because of it, and another who had zero faith, and they were still healed. Right? And so there's, you can't make it a rule. You can't make it a, a, a thing. So... Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so again, I would I say I don't think it matters. 
<laughs> I, I, I have seen so many times where I personally prayed for somebody who had zero faith and they were radically healed and vice versa. <laughs> they had all the faith and we just could not get any sort of breakthrough at all. And where I had all the faith and they were radically healed and I had zero faith and they were, you know what I mean? Like I've, I've seen it all ways. And so, of course, faith is powerful and faith is a, is a big part of it. Yes, 100%. The reason Jesus saw all of his healings is because he knew, like he had no question, he knew. So, of course, that's extremely powerful. But just because the other person doesn't have faith or you're not really feeling it that day, don't let it stop you from being obedient to what Jesus told you to do and just stick your foot out there and just, even if you don't think it's going to happen, like honestly, I can't tell you how many dozens of times I've prayed for somebody that I was not in it and I did not care and I did not think they were going to get healed and they got healed, <laughs> like dramatically and quickly. And I'm like, oh, that's, well, praise God. Okay, moving on. <laughs> Absolutely. The faith of the individual receiving the healing yep. does play a role in it. And I, um, a pastor I know told the story of um, a man coming in, um, I believe in a wheelchair, and was healed. And he stood up and was praising God and excited, yet his words began to say, I can't believe I can't believe I can't believe I'm receiving this. And at the same time, Barnabas and Jairus' daughter had zero faith. Yeah. <laughs> so yes and, yeah. right? Um, of course, every time Randy does a healing meeting, he will spend an hour showing testimonies and telling testimonies because it builds faith. And when there's faith, it's much easier to see healing. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely, right. Yeah. Yep. Those are my thoughts. I have a question. Mm -hmm. So, what, what about when you tried in the way and you're ego and you're not really listening to the Holy Spirit about what you step out? Right. It's a good question. I know the answer is to stay close to the Lord and know what it is. I'm blanking on the scripture at the moment, but there's several scriptures throughout the Bible where it doesn't seem that the Lord's intention was to do what happened in the Bible, but the person that the story is about just, just went for it, kind of like, out on a limb, and then the Lord had to come and back them up. So Samuel, the prophet, it says that no, the Lord would not allow any word from his mouth to fall to the ground. Um, and so 
Obviously, that's not for everybody here, right? But um, I think there's a lot of stories throughout the scriptures where I think the Lord was like, oh, oh, we're going here. Okay, here we go. Like Moses with a rock. Like, you know, like, <laughs> so I think there's a whole world where even if we're prideful and even if we go do something crazy, I think the Lord has a ton of grace and still gets really excited. If you have the guts to just try it, even if you're being prideful, of course, at some point, he's going to correct it. He's going to stop it, you know. But I think a lot of times you'll find people who um, just put, get out on a limb and the Lord still comes and backs them up. Which, I mean, like, that brings up a decent question of there's a lot of healers that you can read about who had some crazy theology. And they ended up thinking that they were like aliens and gods and all this crazy stuff. But there were still miracles happening. So it's like, hmm. That's such a good book, yeah. That sometimes God, God is so invested in having his people healed, he doesn't really care. Mm. If it's through a medical doctor or a faith, if it's through him and his intentions for healing the world. Yeah. But God is so invested in having his people healed and <laughs> able to, to do works that it almost doesn't matter how big the God, how much money he has. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you can. That's a great book. Right, sure. The alcohol and the uh -huh. addiction there. Um, I mean, there's also addiction to sugar, but the two, the two go hand in hand. For sure. And um, but in our society, it's so hard to keep healthy. Mm -hmm. And I realize that if that comes out, that will come out in the in the post-birth gestation. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I would I would come back to my default answer. That's good. Yeah. So my default answer is you can still people still get healed, but also not get healed. <laughs> so you just got to ask the Holy Spirit and see. Yeah. Okay, I want to pray for you guys. Let's recap. You are called to do the things that Jesus did. Healing is a huge part of his ministry, and you are called to be a part of that as well. He's given you all of the authority, all of the um, blessing, the anointing, the faith, everything you need. You can do it. Um, Five-step prayer model, interview, ask great questions, dig around, ask the Holy Spirit to show up. Prayer selection, so either declaration or petitioning God. Um, then do your prayer ministry. Pay attention to what's happening during that time. If something's working, stay on it. Uh, number four is the re-interview and prayer process. Don't belabor it, but also don't quit until they're healed or until the Holy Spirit says stop or until nothing else is happening. And then post-prayer suggestion. Um, and then the lastly is the agony of defeat. Like just because it's not working, don't give up. Keep in there. Keep pressing in. All right. Stand up. Close your eyes. Um, put your hands out like you're going to receive...
from the Lord. And then we want to pray for the sick. So this is, again, a prayer from Randy's book. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would meet the faith and the hunger of this group of people. I bless them in the name of Jesus, and I ask for your Holy Spirit's fire to come upon them now. I ask that you would release your compassion and your love into their hearts right now. I ask that you would impart the gifts of the word of knowledge, healing, prophecy, and the working of miracles in the days ahead. As they wait in your presence, Father, with hands outstretched, palms raised, I'm asking that your power would touch their hands. Multiply your power. Increase your power. Baptize this group in your Holy Spirit and fill their souls with the peace of the Prince of Peace. Come, Holy Spirit. We're asking for more. More, Lord. More, Lord. And we just bind up fear in the name of Jesus. We release boldness to say yes, to be obedient, to pay attention to you in every situation, to be brave enough to stick their necks out there and believe the word of God. And we're asking that there would be breakthrough for every single person, that in their life, everywhere that they go, everywhere around them, there would be miracles and healings consistently about them so that you would be glorified and people would know that you are real and powerful and that your life is for them. Release faith, release wisdom, release understanding, break off any lies. Make this group of people a tremendously powerful group of people in the spirit of God. We thank you, Lord.